0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Doing The Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com You can find more episodes of this podcast, including chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Night Funk, Nathan C, Tim from the Utah Saints and so many more. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify and now, including this episode on YouTube for that full video experience. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house or visit youtube.com forward slash dj felix later and don't forget to subscribe to stay updated i've got some belting episodes coming in this episode of the podcast i talked to kathy mambo resident dr feelgood about his passion for record collecting growing up in the vibrant South Coast clubbing scene of the 1990s and moving to Ibiza to follow his passion of DJing. Richard is great crack and his positivity definitely lifted my spirits on an autumn morning. So let's get into it.
1: Felix Lighters
2: In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.
0: Dr. Feelgood,
2: welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm fine, mate, I'm fine. I've rearranged my uh, house to make myself look half decent. Had my makeup on, got my hair done, you know. Well, I, here.
0: well, I think A, you've done a very good job. I mean, we can already pick <laughs> out. I can see the KRKs. I'll come on to the makeup yeah, in a second. I can it. see the KRKs. I can see. Is it a twelve hundred? No, it's a twelve ten because it's got a. It's, it's a twelve
2: ten. It's got a yeah, black it's, base.
0: It's got the black yeah. base, so I can touch a twelve ten. A, a new hood, though. A new
2: hood. And I can definitely. Are
0: they IKEA? Um, are they IKEA? Yeah, all
2: the way, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> so it. easy to put together. Throw them away, you know. Done, aren't you? And
0: what yeah. is the what is the bottom of the poster just protruding? Um,
2: uh, it's um, I'll I'll do this quickly. It's um, I don't know if you can see that. Is a, a guy um with um, a flying apparatus thing on. He's on a, an apartment building, probably New York. And he's just about to jump off, and at the bottom it says "Shadow of a Doubt." So that's a kind no, of it, was, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. To be honest, I no, thought it was. No, no.
1: <laughs> <I> thought... <laughs>
0: Basically, basically a leap of faith. Wicked, well, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was going to be uh, more music. cool, but no, 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 no. That uh, is that is very cool. I just off, thought it was going to be you like can a... See a head candy thing.
2: Um, there you go. With what we were doing this year in Ibiza, we've got cats on it, but um, it's on the wall. If okay. I move it now, you know the frame's gone. This, fr- you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get to that stuff. How's yeah, yeah. so? You are in Ibiza. Um, yes. Whereabouts in uh, Ibiza do you live, sir? I live in Calamoli, which, if you don't know that, it's um, a little quiet cove in between Calaterida and Calabadea. So it's on the west hand so- uh, west side, west coast. Um, but people bypass Calamoli because it's very small. It's a natural beach, so it's not. It's sandy in places, but mainly it's stony. And and the tourists go to Calabdea or Calaterida, Either way, so and leave our Beach
0: Fine. For people listening and watching and myself, I mean I've been to Ibiza lots of times, but I'm probably guilty for staying in the more um commercialised places because that's where my yeah. gigs have been. I've been and I've yeah. had some friends there who've taken me to other places, but how long would it take you to get to um San Antonio? How long would it take you to get to um uh, yeah, how long would it take to get Ibiza town? How long would it take you to get to those places? Yep. Um
2: we're fifteen minutes from the airport. Um in the summer, 25, you know, obviously it depends, traffic's nightmare. Not now, this, not wrap. this, not this summer. <laughs> <laughs> this summer. <laughs> um, and yeah, 15 minutes from San Antonio. So we're kind of in wow. the middle and it's, it's just far enough to out the way, really quiet. Um, you know, I can get my head down after, you know, gigging or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I can just, uh, it's really nice and quiet. We're just up in the hills, just literally overlooking, one on the clifftop two minute walk to the beach so yeah it's it's nice and again it would be uh remiss of me to sort of um
0: i mean we're recording uh uh sort of early november 2020 um and so it would be remiss of me not to ask how's it been this year i take it from the fact that you're there now you live in ibiza all year round round, so how is it how has it been obviously we've you know if we'd recorded this on say the middle of february um, it'd be totally different Yeah, it'd be yeah. totally different So, but you're still there Obviously you're not You're not a seasonal worker You're not just flying out To do gigs How has this summer been In comparison How have you found it um, Yeah, how's this How's this 2020 summer Been in Ibiza
2: Yeah, it. it, it is We're on our knees really Like most places um, But, you know They've tried, you know uh, Cafe Mamba is open um, So I had a good couple of months there During the daytime session Um none of the clubs were open, obviously, but the bars in, in the Bay, in you know, big Town were open. Um, but when we were actually, you know, unlike the UK, we're actually in, I would say a proper lockdown. We weren't allowed to, to you know, leave our houses unless it was for uh, the bank food or like a pharmacy type, you know, business. And otherwise that was it. And for such a small island where, you know, sort of manana, manana, but, the police were actually had drones out wow. all looking over the beaches and the parks. So we were thinking, wow, this is, they've really kind of, they went really well with it, I thought. You know, they locked us down pretty quick. Um, and I think it was like something like 50 days we were in, inside. Um, and then they kind of relaxed it a little bit. We could go out for a walk for an hour. So similar to what the UK were doing. And then personally, I think they kind of sped up a little bit. Um, for obvious reasons you know trying to get the uh, tourists back and get the flights up and running again but um, we were so close to having zero um, active cases I think we we're down to two or three and then wow. then they opened everything up so um, you know West Island basically a big city really um, and you know I think we were when eventually we were, we were locked down that first time I think we were at 98 active cases Um, we're at 600 and some cod now again but we went up to almost a thousand which doesn't seem a lot in terms of a uk thing but for a small island as everybody knows if they've been there we've got one small hospital you know one ward dedicated to the covid and then um eventually they had to open a hotel makeshift hospital because it was getting that bad they've got a handle on it now but like most places you know we're not equipped and we no one was ready for it, were they? So quite a, quite a unique summer, though, because
0: there's probably, you know, not since, I don't know, the, the 60s or the 40s. I'm not as up on Ibiza history as as, 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 other, as other people would be. But not for, you know, nearly a century has Ibiza been so quiet in the summer, I imagine. Um, yep. And especially yep. in our lifetimes. How, how have you spent it differently? How have you enjoyed it differently? How have you seen Different sides to it. How have you seen difference? I mean, obviously the gigs are different because there's no dancing. Yeah. And, but how have you? How has your summer been different in a in a positive light?
2: We have actually gone to places where we would stay away from um, in the summer because it's so busy, um, and and enjoy you know enjoy it. Sit on the beach. You know the weather's still there. The weather doesn't change. You're still in Ibiza. You, the vibe is still there. The island hasn't you know didn't change in that respect. So. It was beautiful it was it was fantastic to be honest you know park anywhere you want you know my pet hate, and it was it's terrible because when i was growing up and we'd come to ibiza for a holiday then you like you're saying san antonio obviously or you go to you know bossa or you know say in ibiza town and you kind of you know you're just just living in that kind of week or two weeks but when you actually live there i live here um my pet hate my, my thing is Oh, God, I've got to go to Vita Town. And people might go, and for me, that's like driving into London or a big city. It's like, oh my God, I've got to find parking space. And Which is a nightmare, was, parking in Ivita Town a in nightmare. the summer, because those and, streets are so narrow. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, do you know what? And it just, it's, it's that dread. And, and it's stupid because you're thinking, hang on a minute, come on, check yourself, you know. I would, I love Ibiza town, it's such a cool city, but you know, when you have to do normal stuff, and yeah, you know, like the likes of the residents here, and there's many, just about DJs, that live on the island all year round, you know, we do normal stuff, you know, you have to go shopping, we have to, you know, I know. yesterday I, I put the car in for the MOT ITV, I know, and um, you know, or, the, or this week, and it was, you know, stuff like that, that people don't realise maybe so much when, when they just come here and party or enjoy the island so really that kind of opportunity to see the island in its all its glory walk along the beach you know we can walk we walk along by the bossa and it was empty and that's the longest beach you know and normally it's crowded and unfortunately you know there's a lot of rubbish that's kept you know left there but it's beautiful this has been beautiful you know and you know, if only we could just kind of keep it like that, but still have people over. Do you know what I mean? It's um, but yeah, it's been great just to see the island and enjoy it as almost as a tourist. I felt like I was on holiday at times, so yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think interestingly, I mean, I know that
0: lockdown, I know that COVID has been has been decimating for for our industry, a lot of other people. I know a lot of people have had a tough time, um, but the, the, I think a lot of people that I've spoken to you've got to find the positives, you've got to find things in it that you can be different. And, and like I said, I mean, I've never even really quite thought about it in such in such um, bare terms before than speaking to you and saying, this is the first time in nearly a century that you could have experienced diabetes at these sort of levels. And and it is really nice going to places that are quiet. I, I needed some to get some essentials at the weekend, but I went into, I live in Newcastle, I drove into town. It was obviously desolate. There, you know, yeah. you could just park right in the centre. You could walk around. It was absolutely delightful. Um, which which yeah. sounds in <laughs> the city. Yeah, which which sounds a silly thing to say, but it was it was so lovely to see Newcastle like that. It was so lovely to see the roads like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully we're going to turn a corner. Hopefully with you know announcements about vaccines, treatments, rapid testing. Yeah. Hopefully next summer, like with a you know, in my mind. It's that kind of triangle which will get our our events industry back going again, which is at the top is some sort of vaccine which will hopefully protect vulnerable people and frontline workers. You know, at the bottom of the triangle, treatments so that people who unfortunately contract it can be treated a lot better. And at the other end of the triangle, rapid testing so that people can fly, go to events, visit each other. And I think an amalgamation of all of those three should hopefully see, I'm really hoping this, and I'm sure every other person that's affected by it is hoping that come next summer, even if things aren't back to pre-pandemic normal there will certainly be more dancing more more events yeah. m- more things going I, on i think i've
2: seen some of the bigger clubs here have, have just started to release again their program for next year and you know some were doing that you know during the like the main kind of push which you know fair enough but maybe it was too early but now you know there's the ways that they were talking about it, i think okay maybe there is a you know light at the end of this tunnel but i I still think it's early days without being, you know, I don't want to be negative because you can't be, you know, I've, I've sat there and watched my diary go from, wow, this is going to be, this is actually going to be the busiest year and to literally nothing, kind of reevaluate yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree, man. Um, so let's, let's move on. I'm going to start yep. this with, um, I've I tried to, st- I've been trying to start a few with these little kind of um Rapid-fire questions to break the ice, right. almost like okay. speed, speed podcasting, uh, <laughs> I- I- if you will. They go better and worse with some people. You seem like a, a jovial uh, individual. Yeah, so I, I'll I, just
2: say what I think. Yeah, um, oh, no, we, no, we, so we, I think
0: they're just <laughs> that. They're just, they're just so it's something <laughs> I like, I like to call, knowing me feel excited, knowing you, Doctor, feel good. What's the favourite city you've ever been to i mean i can widen out into a place or a town but it doesn't have to be dj related just to get a feel of something that you've really enjoyed over the last you know 10 20 years somewhere you've been and you left and just thought that is such an amazing place new york city there you go good you answer know, that'll do it, for me
2: well, the thing is, so, so some people hate it some people love it at, at an early age it was all the films it was you know and then the, then the music coming out from it and you know, it didn't. For me, it just didn't disappoint. Me.
0: I think, like as a as a British person, or probably anyone who's not American, um, I remember like the first time I went to the, to New York, because um, we grow up watching so much American TV and films, right? That the, you get there and you go, it looks just like the the TV shows and the movies, oh, and, and it's no. not. It doesn't look like the TV shows and movies. It looks like New York. It's just that you've been watching so much t- films and <laughs> TV. Yeah. And you sort of yeah. feel foolish. Um, okay, so we've had, we've, you, you've, you mentioned um, your diary was curtailed a little bit. We've had a lot of time to ourselves. Um, when you've been sort of looking for a little bit of entertainment to distract yourself, are you
2: a movie
0: kind of guy or a TV box set
2: kind of guy? Um, a little bit, both really. I do like to to dip into a TV box set and then, you know, you, and you don't have to look very far, do you nowadays? There's people just on Facebook or wh- whoever saying, oh, you know, box it, uh, recommendations and you go, Oh yeah. And to be fair, some are, some are dog some shit. Some dog shit yeah. And, and, they don't, they don't go anywhere. You know, you, 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 you know, you've committed yourself for <laughs> nine seasons or something or whatever. And at the end you're like, Oh, do you know what? You well,
0: know. well, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot for, for a recommendation. But I have, I've, as you've just said that I've, I worked out embarrassingly. I think I've watched something like, in fact, I can't even remember the, the, the number now. It's, probably, it's too embarrassing. But I've watched about 11 seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race in lockdown. <laughs> because, it's, because it's so mindless like what I tend to do is I'll watch something like of, of some sort of uh, uh, some sort of dramatic weight prior to it and, and, then, yeah. and then and then an episode before bed of like 40 35 40 minutes of RuPaul's
2: <laughs> just completely
0: yeah. decompressed you can be like flicking through the headlines on your phone it doesn't matter if you don't really no.
2: pay attention and, and to be honest yeah I've, I, I've watched that as well <laughs> don't tell anyone now you Please edit yourself. No, um, and they did—they did a one, a special one recently. The I British think. one um, was
0: amazing. Have you seen the British I, one? The British,
2: no, I saw oh, one where, where they want drag—they uh, uh, want drag—and they were um, just like randoms, but not randoms. They were like famous people, but in the UK, uh, in the US. So I didn't know who they were, but okay. you know, they want drag queens, but they were made, and they did a seat like a, a couple of shows about them, and do you know, what? they were pretty good, and I thought. Do you know what? I could do drag. I reckon. You know, I don't think I could do the top thing though. You know, I couldn't I could, I could do the top thing. That's the only thing. But I reckon. Yeah, do you? You know, shave off and walk around in your high heels. Why not,
0: mate? That will a hundred percent be clipped off for my socials. A hundred. <laughs> Um,
1: but
0: anyway, and no, I love that. Uh, so yes, yeah, so if you were going to give someone a recommendation, who's was watching this podcast and looking for something to watch pre-Christmas, is there anything you've seen over the summer that you could give a shout out to? I, I,
2: I, I, do you know what? Um, I'll, I'll give you one that's really bizarre. How about that? Um, I was I was talking to Mark Doyle from Head Candy, and he gave me uh, a few box sets, and one was you might have seen <laughs> it. One's called um, Euphoria.
0: Yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, um, the original, yeah. The original, the original BBC. Uh, channel 4 oh, no that's,
2: utopia. that's oh, utopia which
0: one's euphoria then
2: euphoria is uh, in the states um and it follows a um a teenage girl and she's well into her highs as it were and it's the highs and lows of of what she does wow it it's decent it's got some really good bits really funny bits really kind of real bits um it's okay, and then it, uh, there's a second series, so I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. So uh, Euphoria, but yeah. you mentioned Utopia. Now I've been watching Utopia, and that was a Channel Four series. That's right. that has been remade uh, for Amazon about ten years ago or something. Yeah, I think they did two se- seasons of that. Just started watching that. Um, it's it's okay, it's okay. You know, um, you know, it's a bit nonsense, but uh, you know, it's you know, it is what it is. You sit there and we all need a bit yeah. of escapism. Yeah. So you mentioned.
0: So, what we can say?
2: Yeah, there's just two of them, so that's it. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, if you are getting to a gig anywhere in the world, uh, and you are in the mood to have a a, a relaxing evening, you're going to potentially get a little bit loose, let it go. What would your drink of choice be? Someone says to you, promoter, organizer, fellow DJ says, "Doctor Feelgood, let me get you a drink." What would the drink of choice be? Oh, I I'd
2: really <laughs> want to say, "Oh, pint of bitter, please, mate. Pint of bitter, if you can get that." But.
0: You can say that. That's great. <laughs> I'm I, don't do, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't
2: have that. Um, I, I I do like I I like my spirits. I I, I don't mind a, a gin or two.
1: Nice. Um,
2: I'm partial to a, one of those fancy cocktails and make you look. Look great, you know. Nice um, a Cosmo, you know. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing better than a Cosmo when someone gives that to you, you know, and you think, especially not beefer. You like, I love right it. I love, I love how like I can tell where
0: this 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 like podcast chat's going because you always sort of start off, you're like, yeah, pay it a bit, don't mind the spirit, and then you just ease yourself in and just fully let it go and be like, look, it's a Cosmo, <laughs> mate. Like I'm not gonna lie,
2: it's a Cosmo. <laughs> I it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a rider. I'm a rider. It's like. I'll tell you what it is, uh, and I put it in really small letters, and no one ever reads it, right? So I was like, um, packet of sort of vinegar square crisps, you know, like got <laughs> a six pack, you know, um, fruit pastels, um, a Kit Kat, and then a kitten to stroke in between mixes. Not once have I had no, a kitten there. No, never have you Not been once. provided a kitten. Well, you just haven't right. obviously played the right fucking gig, so that's all I've got well, to say. One day I hope to go. Oh, kitten! Right. <laughs> but can you imagine it? How safe you nowadays and an animal. Uh, activists I don't think I'll be able to do
0: that unfortunately here's, here's, but- my, here's my, my my last of the um my last of the sort of quick these quick fires which is oh, which is yeah, started- supposed to be quick weren't they? <laughs> no it's fine it's, it's supposed to be an icebreaker so it's just supposed yeah, to get okay. things flowing which I like because uh, what I found was especially with Covid it was like I was saying hello I was asking how it was going in COVID, which fucking generally, especially a couple of months ago, brought it fucking right down. And then we sort of started getting into, like, the kind of taking it back thing, which where we're going to go together. And that was also, like, it can start a little bit dry. And then I was like, look, I just need to get the fucking juices flowing a bit at the start of the podcast. So this is, this is like, this was started by Sander Kleinenberg many years ago when I was taking him to another gig somewhere. And we, we started talking about, like, celebrity DJ death matches. So they're just sort of fictional... DJ fights and I'm going to give you, I'm just going to pick a couple of DJs out of the top of my head uh, and I'm going to potentially in some way related to things that you may or may not be aware of and okay. you're just going to sort of, you're just going to like let it go and tell me who you think might come out on top. So DJ number one, I'm going to go Fat Phil Cooper. He's already been on the podcast. He's been on the yeah. podcast. I've been in his flat. So we've got Fat Phil Cooper in one corner In the other corner, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to put Seb Fontaine and I want to know who you think's going to win in a celebrity DJ death match.
2: <laughs> I, re- I reckon Fat Phil Cooper, because uh, he's got some dirty tricks up his sleeve. He'd go he'll go for a bit of a low blow. Several be like, you know, looking for like maybe chat chat a little bit. Phil be straight in there.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, having spent time. <laughs> No, that's a great idea. I haven't spent time with both of them. They're genuinely I, really uh, both Phil, very Phil, lovely. Phil
2: Cooper, he's got an eclectic uh, mix of music. And, you know, you listen to his um, uh, his mix, mixes that he sends out every every month or so. And yeah, they're superb. And he's he's on the island anyway. I, I thought you were going to say so. he's got
0: a really eclectic fighting style. That's
2: I can't <laughs> oh no, was totally eclectic about that. It's just a uh, smash and grab, you know, that's
0: it. Yeah. Okay, this is the, this is the last one because I just came up with this one this morning. I quite like it. Would you rather lose both your hands, meaning technically you couldn't really DJ anymore, or would you rather lose your hearing, technically meaning you couldn't hear music again for the rest of your life?
2: I think keep my hearing, I think. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's a really tough one
2: because... Uh, I think, um, because yeah. you still might be able to do something. With your nose. You know, so someone will yeah. be able to design you know a bigger button for your elbow or whatever do yeah you know what or, I mean? or you like, could potentially just pay
0: someone to do you could just select the records and they could mix for follow it's a bit like yeah, cricket bit isn't it
2: never thought about it like that
0: before you know cricket when you can't run and you can like you can, and you can nominate a runner a t- so you could just select the yeah. tunes and then well, they can mix and like, them
2: if you're if you're a batsman you would nominate a real fast runner wouldn't you so you would nominate a really really cool dj okay so, so you you've, know, so you've helped help me really
0: so you've helped me Dr. Feelgood, you've helped me elongate this question, right? So everyone who answers with that answer, which I imagine most people on this podcast will, is now going to be asked, as you are about to be asked, to nominate a mixer. So you have the ability, you've kept your ears, so you are Mm. going to select the tunes... And for some reason, whether it's ludicrous amounts of money or just because it's my podcast and I'm saying it can fucking happen, you can, for the rest of time at every gig, have this person to mix the records of which you select. Who would, dead or alive, uh, rich or poor, or or doesn't matter, anyone, yeah, dead or alive, rich or poor, but you have this person in the booth with you to mix the records for you. Who do you select, Dr. Feelgood? Tell you, David amazing great answer let's move on to the cut and thrust of the podcast um and I'm going to take you all the way back back before DJing back before Ibiza back before uni or whatever you did at that time straight yeah. back before school all the way back to being a really young child uh, and what I want to know is what were those really early musical influences in your life so what was being played what were your parents playing what were older brothers and sisters if you have any playing? What were you hearing? What was seeping into your ears and your mind? What were those first bits of music that you were kind of remembering to hear?
2: Uh, uh, A lot of disco from my mum. A lot of kind of soul, like David Soul and, you know, Bee Gees, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. So stuff which I still play today and really influenced my sets. i just remember kind of these these disco kind of sounds coming through um um and later when i grew up my sister i got a, uh, a sister that's older she is so she was you know it, it, in the 80s she was into brass and and more of the kind of culture clubs and you know more of the pop side of it but culture club was was great because they were a pop band but they had these amazing reggae kind of bass lines and if you actually listen to the music and and the melodies on, on some of those tracks are amazing, you know, and that's why they were so popular. So, you know, from an early age, it was definitely a, like a, a soul kind of you know 70s sound. And then as I grew up in the 80s, um, then that kind of um, pop stroke electronic kind of sound like a early 80s electronic sound came through. Um, and that really, you know, today I still listen to that kind of music. That's not my go-to. Yeah. Oh, oh, do you know what? Let me just go and you know because you listen to so much music, you know, and you've got promos coming in and you're thinking about a reggae show or you think about mixes and you think about all this stuff, and you go, Do you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna find my eighties album or I'm just gonna find um, my favourite, you know, 70s album and just blast that out. For and I think,
0: think a lot really of people have, to. especially over in, in this year and since the pandemic, which has been, you know, for, for, for producers making new music, I think it's been tricky because so many people <laughs> want nostalgia, so many people want that comfort blanket of music, which is... This is what, remi- you know, reminds me of the good times. Yeah. This is what reminds yeah, me yeah. of happiness. This is what reminds me of going out, having fun, being with my friends. And it's great. That's a, that's a phenomenally amazing thing that music has. And obviously we will yeah. come onto your name and your sets and what you play, you know, which mm-hmm. I know is a big part of it. But that's one of the amazing things about music is that it gives you that ability to, to feel good. Can you remember Absolutely. the first piece of music? <clears throat> That was that was yours. It was either bought by yourself with pocket money or whatever. I mean, it might have been stolen. I'm not suggesting for a second it yeah. was, <laughs> or, or it was given to you. But it was physically yours. You held it. You, it was in your room. You know, you chose to play it. Can you remember that first that first piece of music um, you owned?
2: I think something that I actually physically brought. Um, it's just this just come into my mind. Um, uh, Phil Collins, Easy Lover. Um, I think because um, you know it was on the shelf and you know Woolworths you know I couldn't get you know I lived in in Southampton but I lived in Totten which is a, a small town and we had Woolworths there and so I would go um, and check out the suites obviously like you do and then Pick uh, and buy mix. some money left over yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> it's full of it yeah and then yeah obviously they had you know records in there and I would then you know, if I had money left over, I would buy a record. And that's where I started to kind of, you know, my collection in a way, really. Um, and that kind of grew and grew. And then you just go to car boot sales and, you know, and start digging. So, but I th- something that I, you know, I, I remember kind of having, but, um, but yeah, I used to pick up loads of different kind of, uh, I think genres. Woolworths,
0: I think Woolworths must be responsible for so many, like British, like British, English, whatever, UK based. Yeah. DJs I mean not DJs I mean almost almost anyone who's bought anyone, music yeah. spe- you know especially of our sort of age range Woolworths was was be ubiquitous with that first CD single or seven inch or album because it was the place yeah. I don't think a lot of people especially younger people now realize that that's what Woolworths was really big for you know okay they had pick and
2: mix they sold houseware stuff as well
0: but yeah, yeah, they but sold has, huge yeah. I mean, it huge music
2: wasn't like- yeah um, and it, you know it's not like h n v it what they weren't specialized, but it was my local yeah. you know it was like your local record shop but it was you know, it was and... very
0: accessible, and the great thing was there was <laughs> that your mother or father or whoever tended to take you there and while they were looking at potentially whatever they wanted to look at, you could raid the pick oh, and mix and look yeah. at and look at music yeah. and, and music yeah. looked music in a way. Looked so much more appealing then. Like, obviously, now it's great. I love the accessibility. I love YouTube. I love iTunes. Whatever, Spotify. But music looked so much more appealing because you were in a shop, you were in town, and there was all these things wrapped in plastic, whether they be records or CDs, and you could see them, and there were pictures, and you could touch them, and you could take them down, and you could read yeah. the back of them. So they, exactly. yeah, it and just you got them in your hand. Yeah, and so it was just, it was much yeah. more of a physical product. Um, so I think, <clears throat> obviously, then. Having a, did you say I had one older sister, I had an older sister, and, and I think like older, old sister, yeah. older siblings come up a lot on this, on this podcast, especially because they start to tend to go out a little bit earlier than obviously the, the younger person, their music think, taste is yeah, sort yeah. of brought into the house, they're playing it in their room, can you, I mean you mentioned Culture Club, can you remember some of the stuff that your sister was, was playing, you know, when you were sort of, you know, getting hit in that sort of teenage area of your life?
2: It was to be fair, it was mainly boy bands, to be honest. So, you know. Like Brother Beyond, you know, um, and you know, and new kids on the block and, and all that. So, you know, it gets to a point where you think, Well, yeah, that's cool, but you know, you then you start looking into your own you know, what you like. And it's weird because you don't you you're on a journey but you don't really know it. Um, and and going back to Woolworths, you know, I would, I'd take a record and then every other kind of week I'd have enough money to buy two. So what I used to do is buy one that I knew of and nine times out of 10, it would be a commercial tune in the chart, something that I've heard on the, on the TV or radio or something. And another time I would just pick something random, just, you know, for kicks, because you couldn't play them either, could you? Where we were, there was no, um, no records that you could, you know, no decks you could play them. So you just pick them off. And so I'll take them home and then some were great and someone didn't really know what they were. Um, and I started to kind of collect them into some sort of order. And before it was like, oh, you know, alphabetical order. And then, oh, no, that doesn't work. Um, then it was, I was putting them into year order. And then that worked to a point, but then I was finding, hang on, these are completely different. And I didn't know genre. I didn't know what I was, I was looking at. I didn't, didn't know how to kind of put them together. And then um, finally, I kind of realized, well, that's different years, but that's similar. And then I was putting all these in the, these categories. And there was a couple of records that I, I couldn't place. And, and it's such a, <laughs> such a cliche, but um, this, is with, this is going back. This is kind of the late 80s. So I picked up, I'll um, House You Jungle Brothers. And before I picked up, I think it was the year before, I think it was 87, um, Crush, House Arrest. Okay, so these two records I couldn't place anywhere and I didn't know what they were. And um, it was just like put aside, put aside for forever and a day. Really annoying me So I've got a bit of OCD, I like to get things right. <laughs> and it wasn't until... You know and then, you know lots of influences and then it wasn't until I got into secondary school and you know, the rave scene, this, so this is early nineties, the rave scene was really happening and um, tapes were flying around with your, you know, with hardcore and old school on it. So, you know, you would listen to that and think, Oh, okay, yeah, not really feeling it, but that's like that's great. Oh, okay. And then one track one tape was like a a more of a house sound. I didn't know what house was. Um and in it was, I think it was the Jungle Brothers uh, our house. I was like, wow, this, this is what it is. And it was like, there's no internet. There's, um, you know, I think it was, um, um, I'm sure it was a Marshall Jefferson tape or something. I was like, this is it. Who's this guy? Of course you don't know. Nobody knows. You know, some, someone, it was handed, handed down probably be recorded 20 times. And I played that to death. Um, but now I had that, I, kn- I knew what it was. It was like, oh, you know, house, this house mix, okay. What that, What is that? And then obviously years later, it's, you know, mind was blown. But I just liked that kind of how it was put out and it was that kind of early hip house, you know, it, was, it, it, it incorporated a lot of hip hip hop into this kind of early house tune. Um, and to this day, you can, you can play that, certainly Jungle Brothers and people Close. go, oh, what a tune. You know, maybe Crush House Arrested was more, more commercial in a way because it was kind of um, a UK-based, uh thing but for me those two were very similar in, in in the way i i heard them first time so if i take so you yeah. back
0: again like what was the first time that you were aware that someone was a dj the first time that you were aware that someone's job was to <laughs> mix and select records because I'm, I'm also leaning with this question with did you start to collect records of music prior to even
2: knowing that people were yes. djs yes oh yeah totally yeah um you a DJ was someone on the radio, but yeah. I didn't know what they were doing. I it was just a presenter more than anything. Oh, yeah. And there and there's music being played. Um, the first time I actually physically saw a DJ was obviously at like most people was uh, like a school disco. Yeah. So going back to middle school, so like you know eight or nine, there was um, <laughs> it, it was Rainbow Zen Disco. Okay, I suspect he's long gone now, bless him. But it was an old boy. Um, Looking back, probably a bit weird now, but he used to play. He had this, <laughs> he had this um, all-in-one, two-turn the dual turntable with a tape deck with something, um, and some really cool speakers. But I imagine they were really rubbish, to be fair. And I can remember going, oh, okay, this is the disco. This is great, you know. And then I kind of found myself just drifting off the dance floor, and kind of, you know, I was one of them just. And I didn't want him to see me, but I'm thinking, but obviously he was a, you know, he was a mobile DJ for kids. So he was, you know, just a bit of chat and just bringing the other record on. But I was noticing that he was, you know, he was finding his place still he had a, you know, probably an old school telephone. I wasn't paying attention to that really, but you know, i was seeing what he was doing. So it's like, okay, he's selecting these records. And there was loads. Um, and that's when the first time I thought, wow, he's the DJ. Okay. And he he used to tell us, (laughs) all right, uh, all right, uh, uh, girls and boys, you know, we're going to have, I'm going to put the strobe on. So if, you know, and if someone didn't want to be in there when the strobe was going on, he'd warn us like 10 times and then people would go out and then he'd put the strobe on for like 10 seconds. That's all I remember. I think it's, I,
0: I think, I think two points from, from things that you said there. Firstly, in a way, it's sad, isn't it, that we remember that anyone who was an old guy DJing at a kid's party must be a fucking nonce, which is which is, which is immediately what you think now. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of sad that that's what we've come to. Secondly, yeah, it is sad. Yeah. Secondly, it's interesting that you mentioned, because no one's ever said it before in quite this way, or certainly it's never crystallised in my mind quite this way before. But obviously you said like, you know, so you'd hear DJs on, on radio, right? But you would, you would see them as a presenter. And, and I totally understand what you're saying there because if you're 11, like I would have been, 11, 12, having sort of Danny Ramplin's Love Groove Dance Party on, to me... Danny Rampling, a radio presenter, right? Like I'm not old enough to know that he he yeah. went to Ibiza, started Shoe, went onto pirate radio, now he's on Radio One. Yeah. I don't know that. So to me, he's just a shiny radio presenter who happens to exactly. be playing that kind of music yeah. um, a and a cool it, voice and uh, confident and bold. You know? so, yeah. so so it's like so it's a really interesting point. And it was only when you sort of get old enough to go again this is before youtube before being able to watch live sets before all this so until you get old enough to sort of go to a club and realize oh fuck danny ramplin that's what he actually does in a nightclub and it's different from what he does on the radio he plays different records he doesn't speak in between each one with jingles and everything else so i think it's a really interesting interesting point really um yeah. So then moving forward a little bit, obviously, you mentioned the thing that a lot of DJs mentioned, which I did, which is suddenly you're trying to peek over the the, the side of the decks yeah, yeah. and you try to work it out. <laughs> <coughs> obviously, you're still collecting music. And that's obviously yeah. going to be a big thoroughfare through your whole life, really, as a collector. But where were the first steps towards becoming a DJ as opposed to just being a music collector? Did you get decks did you start to try and use tapes to just yeah. formulate stuff what
2: happened um i think it was last last year of school you know youth club and you know we had some decks whether or not they were techniques probably not to be fair um and they had someone in and i can remember you could have like, like five minutes or something so you would put your name down you up and and you know i think that was my first time i think i played two records um in, in front of somebody you know like 20 of us I expect you know um and it was god awful it was like i had no idea what's this but the rush of actually putting the, the needle on the record as, as it were and playing it and making that sound and go huh, it's, it's magic it, it, it really is and i still get that buzz it's, it is magic you know um obviously hopefully i'll do it a little bit better than i was then um And then, yeah, I left school and um, got a a real job, dare I say, got a job, and um, the first thing I I wanted to get was a pair of decks, um, just so that I can now start doing it in my bedroom, you know. Um, So I bought these, uh, still here, so I've got those second hand. So I think I bought them in uh, 94, 95, 94 I think. Um, second hand, um, six hundred quid. Um, and they must still be, be worth.
0: They must be worth more than that now, right?
2: Oh, I'd imagine a thousand or something. I don't know. I, don't have I think left, I, I think but... I
0: got mine in about ninety six. They're in my like the just to the left on the setup. But yeah, yeah. it's amazing that a things like that last so long. Um, yeah. B they're potentially worth more now than they were then. Yeah. I think so. Damn heavy though. Yeah, I think yeah, I, th- I think they're in like the British. I think I'm right in saying they're in the British Design Museum or something. They are.
2: They are. I've seen that picture. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. There's, there's not many things in this day and age, especially the you know in that this lasts. electrical way. Yeah, that, that lasts like that. And they're not. They haven't really, in many ways. I'm sure techniques would 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 dispute this. But in many ways, they haven't potentially evolved. That like, we're so used to a new iPhone, a new camera, a better lens. Like yeah. you know, but I'm sh- still. It's still it's still almost the industry standard in many ways. Like I'm sure they would argue that the mark, whatever it is they're on now, is is yeah. is better. But with all the lights and all that. But yeah, yeah, of course. But it's it's amazing. It's still there. so mm-hmm. so so. You get these decks. Um, yeah. At, at this point, I'm I'm sure you you're still thinking that this is just a hobby and something that that is you know a, a pastime what is the is, is there a plan taking you back to there like how do you are, are you even are you interested in trying to get gigs at this point are you just yeah. wanting to learn take me through kind of like those sort of those those
2: steps in that journey from, I, from getting decks to was, yeah for me it wasn't so much thinking oh i could do this in a club environment because you know i have just left school um i had started going into parties you know i couldn't get into any clubs i was very small for my age very youthful looking a little bit similar to like i am now and um, I, just, I couldn't get in i just couldn't get in so um i wasn't even thinking about that i was thinking about this oh i, I love music i want to play out i'm gonna set up a mobile dj business um so i did offer uh, it was a, Z- a Suzuki supercarrier, but it's a basic rascal, but a Suzuki did one. Um, it was awful. I had my decks. i a can CD player. Um, I always bought a n- screwdriver to open and trace because they never worked. And um, I bought some really rubbish speakers, JAMO, and um, some lights. And I just went, right, I'm going to do some mobile disco work had no idea of how I was going to get going. Yellow pages was, was happening at the time, so I put an ad in the yellow pages. Um, kind of waited to the you know, waited for the phone to ring. I was living at home at the time, so I told my mum, like, if anyone calls, um, it's risky business, discos. If anyone calls for risky business, m- make a note, pretend you're the secretary, um, <laughs> I love it. and stuff like that. And you know, eventually, things happened. I put on my own nights as well. So I did 60s and 70s nights like 4 four fifty a ticket. My mom I, we did a a, um, a a prize draw and it was really busy. It was like, you know, community centre, two, 300 people. And that really kind of kick-started it in, in my own hometown because then people went, oh, Rich, is, Rich does mobile DJ. He's a DJ. You know, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah. You know, Mike on. And I was just literally copying what I remember the guy was doing at, at middle school and what I heard on the radio and stuff so a little bit of chat putting some stuff on and you know luckily I can talk a little bit so I wouldn't have to, you know we didn't really worry about it too much and and it went and it just snowballed you know I got um contract for Hilton Hotel in Southampton doing weddings even though I never did a wedding before just went in there you know I was 18 years old brazen. You know, boulders, brass, just walked in. Yeah, this is, my, oh, this is my car, this is the business. I work for Risky, Risky Business. And, and then I did uh, the riverboat shuffles from Southampton, so they got used to go a big boat parties around the Isle of Wight and back. Um, so I did that for like a Christmas stint. So things were coming into place, but at this point it was like, I really want to do club work now. I'm ready, you know. I think so, it's
0: really interesting because... Because uh, not everyone. I'm not going to paint this as a a total broad brush, but a lot of people who are say over the age of 30 that I've spoken to on this podcast have a have a similar story. They got themselves some equipment, and they basically didn't really expect to start DJing clubs. They really they started doing mobile disco and they started doing bits and bobs. You know, shout out to PBH. I can think of some other people as well. But interestingly, people who are And again, I'm not painting everyone with this brush, but people who are below the age of 30 often Mm. didn't get any equipment, just started digitally collecting money, and then basically didn't ever think about doing anything else other than going direct into... A nightclub which is just really interesting and I'm not yeah I'm not and I'm not saying it's right or wrong or better or worse or or I'm not making any distinctions like that because I don't think that's right or fair it's just interesting because I, I don't think I've spoken to one one of the sort of younger people on this podcast who's gone yeah, do you know what I I bought a lotus ge- gear and I got a van. They just a lot of them were just like you know
2: yeah. I just I just went into a
0: club. Yeah, now again that's not totally fair because I can think of some younger people who've done yeah. that and I can think of some older people who haven't. But it's just interesting that it's not it's not as much of a I guess a credible route into yeah. into credibility as it as it was. No, no it's which not. is it's which not is really. which is unfair because I think that everyone. I mean to to. Literally, and I will broad stroke here. Everyone who's done the things that you've done, and again, PBH and and, and other people have said, I learned my trade. I learned my trade. You know, setting up equipment, dealing with sound, yeah. dealing with lights. I learned how to Business. read dance floors. Business. I learned how to mix records. Deal with yeah. people. Uh, yeah, deal to, with
2: people. Yeah, yeah, get
0: paid yeah. invoice. Like you know, yeah. turn up on time. Like be reliable. Like I haven't heard one person who said, "Do you know what? I wish I'd never done that mobile DJ." Because no. it's a total I, I waste love it. Of time. Mate. I love
2: it. I totally <laughs> love it. Oh, I've just got
0: to go to the toilet, so you're gonna have to edit this out. Oh, sorry, that's better. That's all right. No worries, man. There's nothing worse than uh, than needing the toilet.
2: Oh, I was like, oh, uh, fuck. Anyway, the, the worst. Yeah.
0: my my worst memories of sort of desperately needing the toilet. We're getting the last tube home. Like I used to live in, in Loughton, like I used to go acting school in, in Loughton at the end of the central line. And um, occasionally you'd go out or whatever and you'd get the last tube home. And you knew there was no toilets, for anyone who doesn't know, there's no tubes on the toilet. Um, this was before the time when I may have may have been brazen enough to piss in a bottle or something. I'm not saying I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying I was definitely I was I mean, definitely go, yeah. I was I was young and, 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 and lacked the sheer aggression that I may have now. But um, so you're just waiting and dancing like on the tube, like basically waiting for you to train to pull up. And then obviously it's it's eleven or eleven thirty or whatever time. I haven't done it for so long now, so there's no toilets open at at, at the the, like the tube station either. So like you've got to If I mean if you're clever and you've learned in advance where the little bushes that you, if you're a gentleman of course, if there's a you know they might have learned that there's this certain there's this certain hedgerow at like Loughton or Debden tube station. But the pain, the excruciating pain of needing yeah. needing a wee. Okay, so you've you yeah, started doing you do the, the the mobile stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which to be fair, I, I still do in a way here in Ibiza. So a part of, um, what I do is, um, I I do a lot of weddings. i do a lot of, uh, uh, Mambo weddings. So Mambo have got their own, um, in Caligresionetta and you can get married there. So, um, it's, it's pretty cool because I get to do the wedding still, which I love. I do love weddings. You get to play everything, especially in Ibiza. they, they, do you want the club classics, the head candies, you know, and all day long? You can play that all day long and it's happy, smiling faces. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. So, Manabo Bill, like, as oh, no, you know, you can have Dr. Feelgood play at your wedding, which, you know, I don't know, for some people, it may be a no brainer. You know, for me, it, it I scratch that itch and I, I can do both, you know, and I think that part of me, and if it wasn't for those years as a mobile DJ in the UK and surveying dance floor seeing what works seeing what doesn't work or and not to be afraid to put something on to clear that dance floor because sometimes you are going to need to clear that dance floor obviously not in the club but you know for mobile work you do you know know, for some reasons for speech for this and once people are dancing they don't want to stop so it's very difficult to get people not to dance. But it's, even, if you, know, but even mean,
0: if you don't want to clear the dance floor in a club, you still in,
2: in a long set. You still need to control the dance floor. You still need do. to control peaks and troughs. Here, you? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can just turn that down, let them have a breather, you know, and, and start again, especially if you're doing, you know. Five, like, six hours. Three, five, yeah. So for me to learn that trade, um, you know, it's helped me now, can me do, um. The work i do here you know wedding was in corporate events as well which i start doing quite a lot of, because that's totally different you know you're not the star at a corporate event unless you are unless you're a famous person to begin with and they got you in as a oh look here he is yeah. <laughs> you know um so you're not the star there you are a, a, a tool you know and that's how i see myself and really that's what we all are you know a tool to to get people up or or to move people, or to say, this is what we're doing. There is a really interesting
0: differential, though, and I've definitely experienced this. um, Even, I mean, even in in my career from night to night. So there would be one night where I would be, you know, met by a promoter, walked into a venue, potentially be doing like a headline set, like two till four or something nothing's mentioned to me about music. If anything, it's, it's always positive. Well, like, oh, I love New You record, or this is great, or I love it when you, you know. So you get that part. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then so like, then you, you know, you, you, you play the DJ, and you literally, are, you know, I'm, I'm not as big as the real big guys, obviously, but you can play what you want. And especially, you know, really huge DJs, within reason, can play almost whatever they want, and they're going to get a f- phenomenal response. A reaction, yeah. But then the next night, I could have been going <laughs> to do... Uh, 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 you know, like uh, a corporate thing or, or whatever. And ultimately, then no one cares who you are like ultimately people are shouting at you to play this showing you phones you know the promoter might be in your ear telling you to turn it up or turn it down yes. or you need to back play this totally or back it yeah. down and it is a really interesting juxtaposition that DJs I mean I'm sure you know big name DJs don't that doesn't happen to them very often but no. but but a lot of people who listen to this are you know gigging working DJs and that that can be a real difficult thing to deal with sometimes because especially you know as djs we always tend to think we know what the best record to play at the right time is and you know, and what's and, and the direction yeah. of our set so when someone comes up and you know, it, it's, some of the funny ones for me are always that, you know, you've been playing Soulful House for three and a half hours in a, in a stylish bar somewhere and someone comes up and just goes, you, you know, you've got any meatloaf? And you're like, have you been, yeah. have you been listening yeah. to what I've been playing? Well,
2: playing Fisher, which, you know, it, it would happen if you were somewhere else, but if you are in a, a lounge bar, come on.
0: Uh, so so, so you 've been doing the mobile stuff, yeah. taking you back again yeah
1: absolutely.
0: what is the, what is the sort of you mentioned you know at this point you 're thinking i 'd quite like to do a club or a bar. What is those yeah. steps that um, then took you f- i 'm sure you 're still doing mobile stuff alongside, but what are those steps? What are some of the first gigs that you did? How did you go about finding them, and what is that <laughs> steps into the, the clubs and the bars
2: um, I used to help out in a um... It wasn't a record shop but it was um a dj equipment shop in Southampton um on a saturday um uh, just so i can take the the lamps for my martin destroy or whatever it they kept on blowing so i thought they're like 20 quid a pop i just take them off the shelf you know it's smart and i'll get paid for it so anyway i'm sure kev's not uh, watching my old boss so uh, that was cool and then um uh, uh, a guy was working in there and he became a friend he still is uh, alan and um he was President resident DJ at um, Revenge in Brighton, um, down in, in Brighton there, and also in a club in Southampton called The Magnum. So both of them are, are gay clubs, gay venues. And, you know, after series of, you know, like months gone by, and, we, we, you know, and there's decks in the shop, so all, that's all we're doing, really. No one really comes in on a Saturday the odd phone call, but we've just been playing records. So and we had very similar tastes. And he was talking about, and Alan was gay, and I'm not, um, but that bizarrely never came into it, but he thought I was gay, I don't know why he would think that, and I I was completely oblivious, I have no idea, I just thought he was a nice guy, you know, and so he was talking about his girlfriend, she's this, she's that, and I was speaking about my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, oh yeah, she's that, she's this, blah, blah, anyway, this carried on, so he goes, oh, look, let's, you know, let's go, let's get down to, go to, down to Brighton, we go to Brighton. Okay, so I think he was doing Saturday nights down there for Revenge. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, oh, and it was amazing music. He was playing a lot of kind of handbag stuff. As you can imagine, it was it was brilliant. And for me, it was totally my thing. Um, and probably a little bit too kind of camp, but it was great. And I thought, not many girls here. You know, this is a bit weird. And then I totally oblivious to the situation. And they right. went to a point where I was like, this is a gay club. He goes, yeah, so oh, okay, okay, cool. And I was fine with that. Bearing in mind, I was wearing a tank top at the time. I was, you know, I was probably wearing very skinny, some sort of reflected trousers. So to be fair, you know, I wasn't out of place. So anyway, he said, look, why don't you c- come to the Magnum? Um, they're looking for a DJ on, on Saturday night, uh, yeah, on Saturday nights and, and do that. And I said, oh, okay, so, we started doing, I started doing downstairs at, in Southampton and they wanted like pop remixes and stuff downstairs. They're like a middle bar and then upstairs was the club. So Alan was doing Revenge and then the, ne- the one week he was doing Revenge and then he was doing um, Magnum. So, you know, we, we get to DJ you know, twice a month with, with each other and he was upstairs, I was downstairs. And I was known as, oh, are you the straight DJ? Yeah, yeah, I'm the straight DJ. There's me with my... <laughs> getting more and more flamboyant as the, as the weeks went on. And um, it was, you know, I did a, a couple. And then uh, that's really where my name kind of, well, I started to kind of okay. name myself. Um, even though um, what I went under, I already had it in my head and I was going under that in my kind of mobile disco kind of 70s-esque type uh, uh, kind of... Uh, Thing, um, but that's when I started doing it. so. My first kind of proper proper gig in a club was the Revenge in, in sorry, the uh, Magnum in Southampton, um, which I loved. And you know, and, up, and one, one night we, we swapped, and I was upstairs, and you could play what you want, really. So, this was oh, 97, 98. Yeah. So, um, I was playing trance, I was playing, um, I, I was really into um yeah it came massive but i was really into my bouncy house hard house style um sharp boys um and stuff like that and you know they were do some yeah you, know, you can put Yeah, you know, i think they did a billy remix or tall paul did a billy remix of uh um girlfriend or something and it was like you know great for you, great for the uh, gay night and then it just came over this god awful bass song which was amazing and it was like oh this is this is it i've made it that's all I've got to do. So I was finding these records just with these, you know, lyrics that everybody knows, and <laughs> they're banging it in with this line And I, it was the time of my life. It's brilliant. I was holding down a job because I'm an engineer by trade, so I was holding down that job. Um, and I think it's
0: fair to say now you. I think it's fair to say now you're a DJ by trade, and you're also an engineer. Um,
2: <laughs> I, yes, definitely. Um, and, and it was, it was because I, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and then it. it, it it was never a hobby. It was never a hobby. And I really hate people when they say, Oh, I said DJ, it's a hobby. Do you play in a club? Yeah. It's not a hobby.
1: Yeah.
2: If you DJ in a club, if you're getting payment of some sort, don't please don't say it's a hobby because it's it not. Defa- my it, hobby. To, to values it devalues um, yeah. you know, it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'll be, you know, my mum would go, Oh yeah. You know, Oh, he does DJ and he does DJ and yeah. Okay. Mum, I do, do DJ and yeah, cool. And, um, you know, my professional career as an engineer, obviously, you know, took off, um, and it was very hard to juggle both. I was doing night shifts as well, so it really affected mobile work and club. You know, just kind of just getting there. I think, you know, um, I wasn't, I didn't ever go into London or anything, but I was, I was like, wow, this is this is great. This is what, this is what I'm doing. I'm busy, busy on the mobile. I'm getting gigs, you know, around town and. You know, okay, it's in the gay clubs, but they're the best clubs, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, then I'll go to trade uh, as a punter, Sunder Central, obviously Gate a Creep, Slinky, you know, this is the 90s, it was the it was the best uh, best time to be a clubber, um, you know, and you know, the music was coming out, I loved that. And so yeah, I was playing all this stuff and just kind of enjoying enjoying life, but I did have to kind of hold it back a bit whilst my engineering Kind of career kind of took on, um, but I started doing promote promoting work. I promoted my own nights, which was a headache. You know, never enjoyed, never played my own nights. Um, I mean, I was physically sick after. You know, before every every time we opened the doors, it was only like a small little club. It was a hard house club that we did in Southampton. Um, but to this day, people come up to me and say, "Oh, do you remember?" I was like. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, yeah, it's great, you know. I remember the, anxi-
0: uh, I remember the anxiety and the money seriously. loss. Yeah,
2: yeah. Money loss. Um, Be, so, been there, um, mate, been there. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to help promote other other um, promoters in the South Coast, uh, Chicky Little Monkey in Bournemouth, who were doing great guns in, in uh, 2000 and onwards. So I was uh, promoting with them, helped promote them. And Fish Tank in, so, uh, in Portsmouth we were more of an underground scene. I was helping promoting them. So I was actually ha- happy doing that. Not in any DJ format at all, um, just because I loved that scene. Um, and I knew I couldn't commit. And that was that was the gutter, really, because I, I knew I couldn't commit you know, music full time. It wasn't until I moved out here that I was like, do you know what? Yes, I've got a well-paid job. It is kind of a job for life. Um, you know, I, I was at, I was in St. Hunter, I was I worked for Southampton Docks as an engineer, and um, I was in charge of the the workshop maintenance workshop there, the heavy industry. And um, you know, just woke up one day and I come on, this I can't, this is not me. I can't do it. So moved to Ibiza because you know that's not hard to get gig, is it? If you're a DJ, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, you know, eight years later, that was when I knew like, right, I'm a DJ now. You know, and you don't just become a DJ, well, I didn't, you know, it, it literally was 20 years in the making and maybe I should have gone, you know, should have done it sooner. Uh, you know, and I've had that conversation in my head many, many times, but I didn't, you know, I, it, I had stability in the end. And um, and now I can come here, I can enjoy the island and not pick and choose my events and I wish I could, but you know, uh, I scratch my itch at Mambo um, you know, I, I can play Eden and play on that badass sound system there, you know, I can do uh, a, a lovely wedding for somebody, you know, I've got all my equipment, so my my company, Diala DJ, there you go, look at that, up. Um, I, you know, I, I actually set up my own equipment, I've got a sound system, I've got you know, everything, so basically I am a glorified wedding DJ, losing illusion of that happens to play for Mambo and Eden and... And some cool events. Well, I, don't, you know, I don't know if I would. I not Yeah, I just don't know that helps, if I would. That helps it. That helps it. You know. To be fair, people look at and go, "Oh, cool." You know. But are you are you really that? Do you really do that? Yeah. Why would I say? Why would I? I say don't. That I, don't I
0: don't know if that. I honestly don't think. I, I think the only reason that you would or anyone would differentiate between the two now is because of the sort of rise of the super DJ and the rise of the super club. Because, yeah. to, because to be honest, completely honestly, for me, a DJ is someone who wants to play music, he wants to make people dance. And I don't think there should be differentiations between the fact that, you know, you're cool and you're playing a club or you're not cool because you play at a wedding. That's fucking
2: bullshit, frankly. Well, like, for me, I, I, love doing, I love doing it all. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, you know, I actually started picking up... Um, the Butlins uh, weekend of gigs. And um, I do the IB for Legends. With yeah, with and, the yeah, with Ridney. Yeah, Ridney. Ridney's been on the it's podcast.
0: So Ryan McDermott's been on the podcast.
2: Rid- Ridney, Ridney, uh, I've known Ridney for, you know, 20-odd years, 25 years. And, and, you know, we're both from Southampton. And for us, it's it's such a, you know, we look at each other and you, and we don't even have to say anything when we're playing. And, you know, to get to play here and it, it, IB for Legends, yeah, you know, that vibe in the, the Mambo room is is it's one of the best venues and it's only a it's a bar basically that's what they're doing if they move it to the main arena I don't think it would work Um, you know you've got 500 people packed in there and it is packed I couldn't think of anything worse at the moment to be fair but the vibe in that room is amazing and there's obviously yeah me uh, Ridney, Ryan Johnny uh, and we're all there uh, representing the brand but having the time of our lives and we are playing tune after tune after tune it's never ending and the smiles on our faces and you see the videos back and you think that's amazing so i do those and but also i do the 80s the absolute 80s weekenders at Butlands, which is totally completely different forget what you know you're not you're not dr feelgood you're not you know you're not you know anything about ibiza you're not mambo and like you said you know you it's another gig and so people, you know, I could be playing from all those cheesy pop 80s tunes to like the <laughs> electronic stuff, to the rock. To, and to me, it's more of a, your host. And that's when you, that kind of radio theme comes in again, because people want, you know, oh yeah, and you could be really trying to be cool and playing that kind of, ha- that early house, you know, tunes, but it's not going to work. But somebody wants- Get the Piter Sisters a on. A pop song. Exactly. You know, Tiffany, Put you know, get some Kylie on. And do you know what? For me, that's my guilty pleasure now that I, I get to go away for the weekend, play these tunes that you would never play here in Ibiza. Um, and there's five, six thousand people in these venues, you know, and they're loving it. And t- I'm going to say it's, it's one of the best gigs, that you know, there, you know, th- those weekends are one of the best gigs I've ever done, really, because, you know, you're going to get five, six thousand people. Uh, if you're in the main room, I get to close Reds on a Saturday normally, and it's like two till four in the morning, and there's three three and a half thousand people there, and it is jam packed, and there's you're so busy, you it flies by. People come at the crest, you're, you know, taking the piss out of people because you can only see like the first you know two or three people but at buttons they, it's a little bit it's not like a proper major club but they do put the lightings down a bit but there's spotlight spotlights so you can see someone miles at the bar you know and i ended up taking some binoculars one was like, oh, really? <laughs> what the hell are you wearing you know and for me i treat it as that kind of gig and you the more you put into something like that the more you get out of it and for me as a dj and as a professional dj that's what i do you know, As an entertainer, by
0: the sounds of it, yeah, you know, Richard, it. By yeah an I, an I love it. I love it, and I
2: wouldn't have it any other way. I think. So,
0: where did the? I don't know if when you said you started to use the brand when you were talking about um, the clubs in Brighton, were you talking about Doctor yeah. Feelgood? Good? Like, where yes, did was, so? Yeah, so, yeah. where did? At what point did the thought process come along? Why did you feel the need <sighs> to? I mean, it's an excellent fucking brand, by the way. You've I, nailed well, it. But what, you know, what was the thought process? Why did it come about, and where did it come from?
2: I think. I think anything, with um, if you're going to use and if you're going to make a brand, I think it does need to come from you and it needs to be you times 10 or you times 20 or however you feel comfortable with that. Um, I've never played under my real name, Um, even though Richard Wright is is pretty cool, actually, to be fair. But, um, you know, I've I've never, I felt like I, when I put those headphones on, I just needed that extra kind of push to be somebody else. Um, And I've had loads of kind of, stage names over the past some some I've kept and some thought oh I'll have that later and some like you know I've had Rich T you know uh, Rich Topsy um I've had you know all these all these silly names but um Dr Feelgood came about um a couple of things really I mentioned I used to kind of uh, do some record shopping and uh, pick up some, uh, stuff on the car boot sales and stuff and I can remember seeing a record one day it was an album and um It was a rhythm and blues artist, and his name was um, Willie Lee Perryman, and his kind of moniker was Piano Red or Dr Feelgood. And he was a big black guy, and he he used to be able to play the piano. And his backing uh, uh, singers were called the Interns, so Dr Feelgood and the Interns. You can look it up on 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 YouTube. And one of his records was Dr Feelgood, and oh, it's great! It is just like. Uh, probably in the 50s or something and it's like do whopping and i just thought it was a cool name that dr philbert thought that's really cool um so i kind of you know had it in my head but you know so when i started doing mobile dj work and we were putting on 60s and 70s nights um i used to dress up in actually i'd say you know like fancy dress but it's shirts that i wear anyway and i've still got the shirt but i i kind of do tend to wear some you know bizarre kind of flamboyant kind of shirts as well which kind of is a is a thing you know i don't want to wear black you know yeah. that's not me and, and and it's your image you know and it is your thing so it's got to be a part of you like i said so i was kind of you know had this big wig and that was dr field version one you know mid 90s i was playing for, for me he was always playing uh, like 70s disco yeah um he was really quite cheesy um but that's how I kind of portrayed him as a character when I was doing my mobile DJ work. Sure. And then, so when I was in, started doing work in the in Magdalene, the gay club, um, they were doing a poster, and the manager goes, well, we're doing a poster quick, right, what we, you know, we're gonna, and he started typing my name. What's your last name? I was like, nah, um, no, no, um, I don't, you know, I'm thinking, oh God, don't want to put my real name there, you know, I'm not gay, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want people to think, you know, what would my mum say?
1: right he, and, does gaze. he does the
2: gays he does the DJ for the gays you know, stop it. You know <laughs> uh, little, did, little did I know like in two weeks later I was dressed gonna dress it in a ball gown and you know and built. but who cares you know so um, one of the bar staff comes past and uh, he goes oh Rich you always make me feel good and off 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 he went you know pranced off somewhere I was like um, I looked at Alan my mate and you know, I was like he goes it's still good isn't it I went it's still so good so he went Feel good. I went, and then when he was just, I was actually, and I just remembered this record. I went, I've got, feel good. Feel good's good, but I've got, to ha- I've got to be something. I went, Doctor, and he, he started writing DR. I went, no, just write Doctor. It's just, it, for me, it's society. So he was like, Doctor Feelgood. I said, okay. So then when everyone goes, oh, what's your name? You know, it's Feelgood. Well, what's your real name? Well, Doctor Feelgood. So then that got away without me saying, oh, Richard Bright, you know, I live in Totten. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't follow me home type thing. Um, so it so kind of kept it like that, and then I was playing all sorts of stuff. But then I found that then I was playing the happy kind of music, and I thought, oh yeah, this is really good. And then it becomes you, it really does, you know. And so it kind of just progressed. Um, and then I think I got a flyer. I think it was in 2003, and where I hadn't been DJing for a while, and there was a party, and on the bottom it says, "Out of retirement for one more gig." Dr. Feelgood, you know, and I've got it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, I've, I've retired this guy because, <laughs> you know, this person, this thing, entity so many times. So when I came to Ibiza, I thought, yeah, OK, cool. Right. So, where's the, so, you...
0: Before, so before you get into that, because I think this is really yeah, interesting. Sorry. Oh, sorry. What was, no, on. no, it was
2: just because what's the
0: thought process then? So you've obviously got this phenomenal career as an engineer, at, at, you know, yeah. at, that's doing really well. What is the thought process? Why, way moved to Ibiza? Are you still being an engineer initially? Or have you quit? Do you quit it all and go to Ibiza? What's the thought
2: process? has okay. um, always had a special part uh, in, in my life. Always, you know, first came in 95, 1830 holidays. Stayed in you know, West End, like most people, you know, had time in my life, you know, and every year just go back. And, you know, and then after two or three years of, kind of staying in one spot maybe going off to manumission or space but you, you essentially go back to San Antonio um, start to explore the island a little bit on my own so you'll go with different people but go do you know what uh, yeah I'm not gonna go drinking today I'm just gonna gonna get a taxi telling me drop you up drop me off in a village so I can just you know soak it up and you know people don't do that nowadays I don't expect but so I wanted to you know get to know the island a bit and so it's always been that kind of part and obviously what pulled me originally was, was, you know, uh, you know, a week away or, you know, um, in doing whatever you, you want to do. It's my first holiday abroad without, uh, adult supervision got out us. And, you know, and so you, you get to get to know the clubs and the, and the bars and, and I knew the island really well. Um, but I didn't know anyone in it. So I didn't know any of the workers. I didn't know any of the bar owners, club owners, um, and so my thought process behind it was like, I love the island, I wanna do what I really wanna do is, is to DJ. It's the perfect uh, place. It's the hardest place in the world to get a DJ gig. Everyone's a DJ, everyone comes over, there's an influx of people from April to May that will shoot you for a gig, um, will play for free, um, then we'll have all these pictures and then go and, but, there we go, but there'll be another thousand doing exactly the same. Um, so, <laughs> in essence, it is the hardest place on earth to get a DJ gig, um, and it didn't just come like that at all, you know. And you know, you you know, other people have got similar stories. Other people, it, it happened quite quickly, you know. Um, I know with Ryan, it happened quite quickly with him. Um, Ridney, he's been back and forth to IV for, for for many many years, you know. So, from the first year or so, it you know. I wasn't going around the West End, you know, cap in hand and art pleading for gigs, and you know, I, I certainly wasn't going to Pasha or or, or or Space or whatever to try and get gigs because for me they were closed doors, and you know, essentially they are anyway as well. You know, you don't get to be that play, that place until someone says actually, or you get asked to. So it's, it's very difficult uh, kind of position to be in. So. And plus, I was older. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be hanging around the West End or hanging around Ibiza town and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm out here. I just wanted a quite a, a quiet life and, you know, um, and just kind of, I set my kind of mind to, well, look, I started off doing my work in the UK and it worked. This is what I do. So I sat down to DJ, started doing some weddings and, and corporate events slowly. But it's such a small island. People know everybody. So, For good and for bad, if you do a good job, then you get to know, people get to know how you are, you know? So um, it took about a year or so, and I started working at Mint, which is opposite uh, next to Mambo, still owned by the the group. And then uh, that was the end of my last year. And then the the next year, um, I got asked to play at Savannah, which obviously is Mambo operated. So Savannah is further down, uh, just past Cafe Del Mar, and oh, it was about three or four years ago. Then, then Mam- you know, they said, "Oh, look, you know, give us your dates. You're free for Mambo. And it was like, what? You know, it's it's like so. You know, it's like you know, someone give me the golden ticket to Willy Wonka. You know, it was like, this is it. They they're asking me for dates. Um, you know, and I've I've done I've done a few nights and that, but really for me, it's, it's days, and especially this year because um, I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, and then we had lots of restrictions and stuff. And I said, like, you know, I'm happy with days for this year type thing. You know, I like to, you know, and it gives me time to, to, you know, six hours, you're not banging it out, you're, you're playing the kind of music that, you know, we've we've got that music, you know, and I think what people are DJs now, because this whole sit down thing, they go, Oh, you know, they're not dancing. It's, it's really weird. It's, but I'm used to that. I'm used to people sitting down. I'm used to seeing backs of people looking at that sun. So for me, if I was doing the gigs in the UK like that, it's it like well, people sat down at my gigs, eighty percent of the time. It doesn't it doesn't bother me because I'm at that venue and people are looking at the sun or they they're having a meal. Um, obviously pictures and the and the videos you see of Mambo is when the sun goes down and there's you know a hundred people around, around the booth and thousand people getting the booth behind you and you know that's what you see, but if you pan across, people are still were having their, their, their dinner. So, you know, it's it's that kind of, you know, portraying of it is hedonistic and it is amazing vibe. But obviously this year wasn't like that at all. You know, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't stand around and there was no one inside the venue, um, you know, y- your distance, you know. And uh, so, yeah, for me, it was like, you know, what, you, know, you can do all that. But yeah, for me, Mambo, Mambo was the one I wanted to get um, for obvious reasons. It's one, one of the famous booths in the world. You get to track that sunset there, you know, you're ticking all these things off. <laughs> you know, and I was saying to mom, it's like, you know, if you're a footballer, it's like playing at Wembley, you know, and it's like, you know, or tennis play. you know, you're, you know, you're at the, the Masters or something, yeah. because it really is something to go, wow, I've made that, you know? Um, but there's other stuff I still want to do, you know? Um, for me, you know, Pasha has always been the venue to aim for. Maybe not so much now in terms of the space, but the, in my head, it's still like, wow, that is the brand. You know, if you're talking the, you know, as it was in, you know, let's say ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, definitely for sure. You know, and so you know, you still have you hold a kind of a light to all these the venues that you want to play at. Um, but yeah, for me it was it was mambo, and for me to do that, and today it was just, just amazing, really. really yeah, man, I
0: I feel that. I mean, I, I was I was lucky enough to be playing your resident digital and stuff and be there every week for me getting to go and do ministry like they do the box at ministry that's that sort of felt a very similar thing to me which was was legitimately being booked because of the brand and the music and and going to the box and 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 like you said it that felt to me like the champions league or the the Wembley of of, of DJing um so so what did, did you a lot of the weddings that you had Booked for this summer? Have they just initially been bounced for next year? Did some of them take place? Did some of them take place at limited numbers, or was that was the date di- was the wedding diary completely wiped for this summer?
2: Oh god, the wedding diary was uh, thrown away about three times. It was uh, ridiculous. Right. Um, no, I didn't do any weddings this year. Um, no. Some some people did here, but um, most of them was put back for for, for next year. Um, I think I had about four that. Um, cancelled so um, I gave them their deposit bank and you know, I'll take the deposits and that so yeah, yeah that was kind of that was it but um, yeah bizarrely if, if we had this conversation in January February time and you said oh what does your 2020 look like I'll be like wow well, you know I'll be re- reeling off loads of stuff that I, I, I knew I had planned and then you always have those ones that you, you don't know here that something just pops up because you're on the island and someone going, we need to warm up, or we need someone to finish, and you get that because you're on this on the island, yeah. you know. But you don't just get that because you've, you're random and you just you just yeah, have to be on holiday. Of course, you've built it up, but, of, um, yes, yeah, yeah. So, so the wedding stuff, you know, um, and it's a balancing act, like anything. Um, so, I I don't want to be labelled, you know, my business is majority of doing the weddings, but as Doctor Phil did, I, I don't want to be, like, oh, he's the wedding DJ. No. So, so it's a you, know, you do have to get that balance, and it is about. And you know, like we said about um, creating a brand and I was I try to keep it separate, but you're not, I'm the person, I'm regardless if I'm doing a wedding or I'm doing some, something else in a cool club somewhere, I'm still the same person. So I kind of do amalgamate it, you know, I've got all the different pages, but you know, you can't hide the fact that I'm Richard Bright and I do these and I'll do that and I go to buttons and I'll do this and you know, so for me, I, I don't hide the fact that I do all this stuff because I'm proud of what I do. So yeah. The, the weddings kind of went on till to next year. Now it's like fully loaded. It, you know, it looks great. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm gonna do it. Um, I've got another DJ now that will do if there's double double dates and there's double dates. And you know, that's a headache. That's just an admin job that you kind of go, I'll deal with that later because it will change, no doubt, again. Um,
0: what would so, your yeah. what would your winter so if had this been a, either a had this been a more normal year or b had I been speaking to you at this point last year what yeah. would your winter normally look like does it look like is it any different this winter than it would normally be like, how do you normally um, spend yeah, these um, next sort of five months in Ibiza
2: yeah normally obviously in Ibiza in you know things do shut down the, the, where I'm playing there are venues that have DJs but then obviously um, there's more you know, the residents are there as well. So there's actually more DJs for these events. So I tend not to not to bother too much. So I, I'm pretty pretty lucky on a normal year, I start mint lounge in March, uh, which is, you know, um and then, you know, have a good couple of months run and then Savannah would open and then Mambo would open. So in May by May, I've done two and a bit months. I'm tired already. And people all come here all fresh. I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, I've done every day for two months, you know, uh, for five, six hours. I know it's a tough tough gig, isn't it? So um so and then I and then you know, you do all your, your summer bits, you know, and you're juggling all that, and then mint will then finish Halloween. Okay. So really you know, March, October, that's my year, so it's pretty, pretty full, full on. So then in the last couple of years, then um, i throw a couple of button weekenders in. So i do like an eight, some 80s and uh, there's a few 90s ones that I was doing. And then then it's kind of Christmas, so I don't even bother with that. But even though this last New Year's Eve, I was I was in Bournemouth, which I've, I that was the first New Year's Eve I, I, I played for about 13, 14 years, because I tend not to. Even though you know, oh, it's good, let's get the money uh, or let's – I've always just oh, do you know, what, I'm just going to go out, I'm just going to go out and enjoy it, because I don't want that kind of stress, but um, I don't know, the promoter kind of got hold of me, and I don't know, I've got a feeling, I love, love Bournemouth as a town, you know, I've got, it's great, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and even in the 90s it was amazing, and I've got some nice people there, and I, one of my, my radio shows was on one of the big stations there, so, so it, yeah. I feel like, yeah and I feel like um you know it's 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 good and um so I took it and it was brilliant you know it's a small club three four hundred people that's all you need and uh I had a good time but it wasn't something that I would always go oh yeah New Year's Eve I haven't got a New Year's Eve gig yet I just wouldn't even worry about um then January come along a uh, couple of weeks off then with Legends was the end of January so then then I'll start picking up a few more winter uh, weekends at Butlins, and then before you know it's March it's, it's, so, and
0: you're back in a mint again
2: but yeah we're not I'm not talking about every Friday and Saturday because and I'm I'm certainly not going to worry about it and, and now this year I'm, you can't worry about oh my god it's the weekend I haven't got a gig you yeah. know uh, so um that that would be the kind of the case really so you know the schedule would stop at in October end of October but then I would have a few weekends here and there but this year would have been slightly different. I had gigs in Jeddah, I had corporate um, gigs in Jeddah for a um, golf tournament. Wow. DP um, World uh, golf tournament, which all i do I know nothing about golf. <laughs> no nothing, but there was all these golf players that I should know, but we were on this yacht, um, just anchored, wow. and I was just playing tunes two hours a night or something, nice. for a week. So, so that was gonna carry on throughout the year and, and do other corporate stuff with them. Obviously that, that hasn't happened, um, but you know, hopefully that will pick up. So, yeah. Cool, man, uh, if people
0: want to find out more about your music, more about your um, gigs, more about mixes, if they want to find out, if they're thinking about getting married in Ibiza next year or the next couple of years, hit me with some links where people can find out more about um, yeah. you and your business and your music.
2: Well, check out uh, dj.fieldgood.com, all my stuff's on there for for myself, Dr. Feelgood. All the links are there, but I'm on SoundCloud and MixCloud. Just search for DJ Dr. Feelgood and I should pop up. Uh, for weddings, the stuff is dialadj.com. Uh, but all the links would feel good and Facebook page is type in DJ Gelp to feel good. you yeah, you find me there.
0: Nice one. So, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do a few more uh, a few more quick 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 fire questions to sort of as part of the ending of the podcast. Now these ones again, nice and quick. Is there a DJ if you got sent a mambo lineup? If you got sent a lineup for one of the Butlins things or whatever? Is there a lineup where you got sent your email, your text, and you saw that you were going on after a certain DJ and you'd be like, oh, God, I really don't fancy that. That feels like it's going to be hard work. I'm going to be pretty nervous. Uh, Is there a DJ that would give you that sort of feeling? A fat boy (laughs) slim. That'll do for me. Um, First club you remember going to and I'm going to I'm going to limit this to a sort of an, an adult club so we're not talking about an, okay. any, an, an under 18s thing but can you remember the first club that you legally or illegally but got into
2: and, and it was the first proper nightclub that you went to uh, I think it was um, a place called Martins in Eastleigh in Southampton um, doesn't exist now well it's still there it's, shut. Um, it's on the high street wow you know we had some great times in there but yeah it was a bit of a Bit of a hole. Martins. Uh, that nice. Track that has
0: influenced you the most, whether it be in your DJ career, in your life, in decisions you've made, whatever, but just a, tr- a track that has, has sort of influenced you the most.
2: Um,
0: Stardust, music lines about with you. Yeah, what a track that is. Um, Favourite club that you've ever played? I mean, this can include... Uh, you know i'm not going to execute mambo from this so it can exclude bars it can exclude festivals it can exclude include yachts you know so it's basically a sort of favorite <laughs> venue favorite gig um that you've ever played that you'd you know you'd love to go
2: and do again opera house in Boscombe. in where oh uh, Boscombe, the opera house the o2 academy oh wow that's, that's yeah. yeah i wasn't expecting that um
0: yeah. a sort of a flip from the first of these questions a DJ yeah. that you'd love to warm up for. Now you may have already done this but you know again same sort of thing might be Butlins might be Eden might be Mambo but you get the text you get the email and you go oh that is just going to be perfect I'm going to be able to play exactly what I want to be able to play. As soon as I take my headphones out and they go on I'm either going to be in the booth watching them or I'm going to be out dancing. This is just going to be the best time I can't wait to warm up for them.
2: Um, okay I'm going to give you two. Okay. Uh, two different ones Todd Terry Just so I can then be really nervous, try and be cool, get that picture because I know Todd anyway. But get that picture and then walk away and then go, yeah, that's I've done that. that." (laughs) Um, And um, Jelly Bean Benitez, Um, I've walked up for him once. um, Obviously, completely different. uh, You know, I was doing a a, a big disco kind of set, but I didn't want to, you know, go too mad. And he just said, "That's just perfect." Thanks. You know, and you just thinking.
0: where was that was that
2: was that at heart for um uh he was at heart um he did the pre-party at savannah Ah, so i did i did um the sunset and then i did an hour before he came on and so um you know it's a perfect gig for me i was just digging out some disco put some old school stuff in there and uh, old old school disco and it was like ah that's perfect so and you know that's you know he's you know, bona fide legend. You know, so that's, that's the cool. that's the perfect
0: answer to that question, yeah, man. So I'm going to put you in the shoes of <clears throat> Mr. Carl Cox. You are closing space for the very last time. Gosh. You've played. You've played your big set. Uh, everyone stood there and you are going to play the last record. Uh, So, I mean, I can give you this in in many formats. I mean, the space one's a really good format, but let's also just say, because, you know, unless you want to say it's different, let's also say potentially the last time, you know, you play Mambo, if, you know, if you were going to be playing Mambo on that Saturday back in March or whatever, and you knew that lockdown was coming and that potentially, you know, it might not be happening for a while. So I'm just, I'm looking for that sort of seminal last record that you would play to evoke the emotions
2: I think um we all we you know looked at that space um video of of coxie doing doing that and i was there that that night but i was there very early on because a lot of my dj friends were playing like 7 8 pm and you know uh, you know uh, alex and brandon were playing early so you know so, so i kind of stayed as long as i could Got home, fell asleep, woke up, and then <laughs> had a really good night's sleep. And then turned it on, and it was still going. I thought, oh, this is perfect. So I actually watched it in bed. <laughs> um, so, but uh, <laughs> so if I'm if I'm thinking uh, if I'm thinking space, I've already said uh, music sounds better with you. And what I probably would have done was let it play and then loop kind of uh, when it goes music sounds better with you, and, and just let it go, turn it off, let the crowd sing it for a few sessions and then not like I thought about this at all <laughs> and, and, and probably dropped and probably dropped um, Frankie knuckle tears and then let walk away and let them let them go on with it nice yeah, man I think for me, I think, you know, I think we've all, as DJs, we've all thought about this and all thought there's no right or wrong answer. No. You know, um, I, and I wonder not wonder if, if Coxy did think about that because he just kept on playing and playing and playing. So did he think about it? You know, certainly the last 10 tracks, he probably thought, oh, these are going to be my last 10. But did he know when he was going to stop at like a silly a random time? I don't think he did. So it's one of those you're just going to start. I'd love to, love to hear him talk about that. And maybe he has done. I haven't seen it, but um for me it'd be like tears let's finish with that let's let's get people crying you know turn the lights up you
0: know nice um so what we're going to do is this is one of my favorite bits of the podcast i'm going to get you to curate a sort of a dream gig so it can be in the venue if you're choosing that can be real or imaginary it can be generic it can be you know you can say Pasha, you can say mambo or you can say underground club or warehouse or festival but we need a venue and then we're going to have three acts it's not so much a one per main and a headline. It's three, you know, three kind of co-headline acts. Those acts can be anything you like. They can be DJ sets, back-to-backs, live stuff. They can be bands. They can be literally anything you want. And it's just where you are right now. So you might have said something different yesterday. You might say something yeah, different yeah. next year. But I'd like you, Dr. Feelgood, to curate a dream gig. Um, where are we going to have this show? Um,
2: I'm going to go. I'm
0: going to take us back to space. So in the main room at space. Now remember you can play main at, room at space. So yeah. you can play at this if you want. Uh, you can be nice. part, part of a back-to-back, you can be one of the acts, or, or you can just uh, or you can just line them up and watch them. So who are we gonna have as the three uh, as in filling these three spots on the bill? Uh
2: let's get feel good in the bottom. Let's 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 get feel good to warm that up, shall we? Because nice. why not? Yeah, it's my dream. your sure gig man. Um yeah, definitely. Um I've already mentioned him, Tony DeV. Um just the pure energy that he delivered every time um and such a pioneer of of that kind of scene back in the day and uh, for me as a you know going to see him uh, at trade and and here and in through and all over you know it was amazing so just to just to kind of have that kind of nostalgic kind of yeah energy driven uh let's put him, let's put, let's put him on last yeah let's put let's him, put on. him on last <laughs> uh middle middle I've already mentioned Todd Terry, so I won't say Todd now. He's probably shoot me. Uh, let's go, Roger Sanchez. Nice. Just, just to have that cool factor in, um, you know, and get the get the people in 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 the door, you know. Cool. So we're going to go, Doctor... and then feel good, feel good, Sanchez, and
0: um, I, I think that's nice, man. So we're gonna we're gonna have old school space main room, Doctor Feelgood, Roger Sanchez, Tony DeVette. It's been absolutely yeah. amazing. What a great lineup. Um, <laughs> what I'd like you to do now um, is. I want you to to name a track that I'm going to stick on the end of the podcast. So people are going to, they've had, heard us chat for an hour and a half um, or yeah. about that. Um, it can be something you mentioned. It can be something that you love from back in the day. It can be something you heard yesterday. It can be anything you like. I would just like you to tell people the record they're about to hear on, on the podcast. I'll link it on YouTube um, and explain why you'd like them to, to listen to it.
2: Um Something that you, you just come into my mind straight away, um, even though we mentioned Stardust, I won't say Stardust, but I'd say something very similar, um, Daft Punk one more time. And would you like um, the, the original? Well, I do like the original. Um, I think now there's a few mixes out which, which has got an amazing breakdown, and then when, you, when it just comes back in, it's it's amazing off the top of my head I can't remember who, who did it but there's there's a, a banging kind of uh, remix out but the original is 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 amazing I love it um, but yeah so yeah nice breakdown and you know what's coming you know and the energy that 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 makes in in the room. Um, and Smiley Faces because it is a commercial track. It, it really is. But you can play it at a wedding. You can play it uh, at Mambo. You can play it at uh, an underground club. And it's the same. You get you, there are people waiting for that kind of moment. Um, and, and it's just there. It's just there. And it, and you can just, it washes over the, uh, over the, the crowd so one more time
0: amazing thank you so much for your time that's real good Richard I hope you, to see mate. you
2: in Ibiza next year
0: certainly uh, all the best yeah. for the winter and I'll see you soon thank you ma'am. thanks mate cheers
2: Felix Light is in the house the podcast about DJs what they do and who they are
1: tonight. free celebrating, and dance so free one more time here's this guybli feeling so free we're gonna celebrate celebrate and dance so free one more time here's this guy feeling so free we're gonna celebrate celebrate and dance so free one more time here's this guy feeling so free we're gonna celebrate celebrate and dance so free